the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Shady Rays. SGPN is teaming up with Shady Rays for Shady May. Get 50% off of your Shady Rays using promo code SGPN and then go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash shady for your chance to win $500. Welcome, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Wednesday, May the 3rd, currently 11.03 on the East Coast. Here to recap what we saw in the association last night and handicap the one game on the schedule here tonight between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Boston Celtics looking to even up the series but joining me, help me to break it down here on the NBA Gambling Podcast. You guys know him as the voice of the Tennis Gambling Podcast, the NFL Gambling Podcast, and the WNBA Gambling Podcast is Scott Studio Rochelle. Scott, what's going on, my man? And please save the rant for the uh, segment of Scott's Rants. Yeah, uh, so overall, <laughs> doing pretty well. Uh, definitely enjoyed at least one of the games yesterday. Both games were close. Uh, the quality of basketball was really just a night and day. Uh, that Knicks Heat game was pretty ugly, if I'm being totally honest with you. But then Scott Foster had a master class in the fourth quarter. Game got interesting, but the Knicks ended up doing what they needed to do. They ended up winning. Unfortunately for me, they didn't cover in the end. Uh, Josh Hart missed a free throw at the end, which would have gotten me the miracle cover because I gave out the Knicks minus six and a half, and they only won by six. But it's a nice win for the Knicks. They needed to win, and it didn't look good for most of the game, but they eventually found a way to open up a sizable lead in the fourth quarter. Then they almost blew it again because Randall stepped over the line on the inbound pass. But that game itself was pretty ugly. And then you had the Warriors-Lakers game, which I'm sure we'll go more more in depth on in a bit. But I thought that was a very good game. It was a battle of styles. They were going at it, and it seemed like the game was over. And then the Lakers blew a double-digit lead, and they held on at the end to do just enough to win. We'll talk about that in a second. But for the most part, I thought that both games were entertaining at the end. Mm. One game was played a lot, uh, I'd say, better than the other. The Knicks game was really not pretty, but it was still close. Overall, solid night of basketball. Yeah, I think last night, um, especially this this Miami Heat and the New York Knicks series is going to be one of those. The, it's going to be an ugly series. I think any series that the Knicks are involved in, it's going to be it's going to be ugly basketball. It's going to be things that kind of make you scratch your head at times. I think we saw that flashes of that in the first series against the Cleveland Cavaliers. But um, yeah, nonetheless, uh, Scott Foster does get the job done last night. Uh, the Knicks even up the series at one game apiece as they will head back to Miami for game three. Um, uh, We did see the return of Julius Randle last night for the New York Knicks. Did finish a game with 25 points, uh, 12 rebounds, eight assists in that game. A little bit of inefficient from the floor, eight of 18 for him. I mean, kind of expect that from or coming back for your first game after, I think, a, a week or so, maybe a little more for Randall. Jalen Brunson had a great game, 30 points, 10 of 19. He was 6 of 10 from three-point line after, I think it was, what, 0 of 7 in game one was uh, Jalen Brunson uh, from three-point land. He chipped in with 30. R.J. Barrett, 
24 points on eight of 17. Um, and look, Miami, they, they played tough, man. Uh, you had four of the five starters that were in double figures last night for the Miami Heat. Uh, Caleb Martin, career high in playoff uh, points and tw- with 22 last night. Gabe Vincent chipped it with 21. Uh, Max Drews had 17, but the Knicks did just enough uh, to even up this series last night, Scott. But um, any takeaways from uh, at least the Heat or the Knicks last night? But my main takeaway just for the overall, I'll stick with the positives first. Sure. Uh, I've mentioned several times, Josh Hart's one of my favorite role players in the league. Guy's a winning basketball player. Yeah, Just simply put. I mean, he almost had a triple-double last night. He missed one of the open threes at the end, but he got his own rebound, which Mm. you really don't see that often in today's league. And besides that, he had a couple of dagger shots at the end. But Josh Hart, winning basketball player, Yes, I know he might have injured Butler on that flop that, you know, happened in game one. Everyone's flopping. It's unfortunate, but it's a part of the sport. But for the most part, Josh Hart, though, was great last night, and he definitely helped to lead the Knicks to a win. That's the positives. As for the negatives, the Knicks almost lost to a team missing basically two or three starters. I don't think Mm -hmm. the Knicks look good, but they looked good enough to win last night. But it... I was kind of half-joking on Twitter when I posted it, but I was kind of serious. How the hell did the Cleveland did the Cavaliers lose to this team in five games? Five games? I didn't really? Think, uh, the Ca- I mean, the, yeah, the Cavs don't have enough offensively. Um, it's really... Like, if you had Donovan Mitchell that had just has a bad shooting night, and like he did in a couple of those games, for the Cavs, like, it was... That was it, like, yeah, you have Darius Garland, but after that, you really don't have very many scores. I mean, you were relying on Karis LeVert at that point. Um, and it's a I get they have no difference. depth, but just in general, like they're a four seed. They have home court advantage. You lost to this Knicks team in five games, and they can barely beat the Heat without Hero and Butler. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, for for the Cavs, we'll talk about more in the offseason. They need to get some shooting definitely around. Uh, Donovan Mitchell and uh, Darius Garland. Um, but as far as the New York Knicks, man, um, I they just won. don't think. You know? Yeah, they won. Yeah, they won. They they got it done. I, would would you be surprised if the Heat now win the next three games? I think it depends if if Butler's going to play. I know Butler. I think was he could smiling. have played last night if he wanted to, but I think they just held him out as precaution because the next game's not until Saturday. I didn't think he was going to play yesterday. We both didn't think he was going to play, but Butler Mm -hmm. was smiling on the bench for basically the entire game. He was nodding his head a little bit. He did some farewell waves to the Knicks uh, crowd, Mm -hmm. which in hindsight doesn't really make any sense because they have to return to New York anyway. So (laughs) he could have saved the waves maybe for the time they returned to MSG. But still, it seems like the ankle sprain wasn't as serious as they initially thought. Yeah, I still didn't think he was going to play in this game because of the quick turnaround. Right. But the fact that Butler was pretty engaged and the fact that he was smiling and kind of looking like he was ready to destroy the entire Knicks franchise, I think he'll play in the next game. Yeah. Really weird schedule, though. I get you want to have some off days for travel, but not having another game until Saturday is absurd to me. But I think Butler's going to play in the rest of the games. We'll see how he looks. If Butler even looks 80%, Miami's going to win the series. Yeah. I don't think the Knicks are good. I, I think that they're a pretty decent defensive team, but mm-hmm. offensively, 
they are just so stagnant all the time. It is really just an ugly team to watch, which is not surprising because Thibodeau's the coach, and historically speaking, he's had really ugly offenses in the playoffs. But my main takeaway was they beat a shorthanded team that they needed to beat. Was it pretty? No. Should they have won the game? Debatable. But they got the job done in the end. But if Butler plays last night, the Heat win by at least five. Yeah, Coach Tibbs had to go against coaching from a payday candy bar in J.B. Bickerstaff, now a Snickers bar in Ed and Eric Spolstra. I don't and, think I've ever had a payday bar, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, it's not good. Don't don't waste your time. Are you um, saying the Knicks aren't them when they're hungry? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think that you know we've talked about this a lot throughout this week, throughout the playoffs, even going back to the last series which, versus the the Bucks that. Eric Spolstra makes those in-game adjustments, and those are the type of coaches that you need in the playoffs. And I think they had a great game plan coming in to game two, um, knowing that they probably were going to be without Butler. I think they already knew that. But you know, they had an opportunity to win the game. Looks like they ran out of a little bit of gas, missed some shots down the stretch. Um, and like you mentioned, um, you know, Scott Foster gave some calls or, or made some calls in favor of the New York Knicks. It is what it is. Look, at the end of the day, the Knicks didn't give up the series. But I agree with you that I don't think that they are going to win this series. Um, I just I did initially, think- but just watching them play. Once again, it depends how good Butler is going to look. So we'll go yeah. back from there. But you're looking at the backcourt. Sorry to interrupt, but Brunson no. played well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had 30 points. Yeah. And Josh Hart played relatively well. Mm-hmm. And yet Gabe Vincent and Caleb Martin were just giving them buckets for, f- like, what? Like, I, I just I just can't fully comprehend how Thibodeau is a very good defensive-minded coach. We get all that. I'm not going to say he's not. But Miami, I get you can argue it's an MSG game. Some guys step up. But you almost lost to Gabe Vincent and to Caleb Martin. Can I really take you that seriously in a playoff series or even just as a team that could make a somewhat deep run? I don't think I can. Like I'm not writing off the Knicks, no, but yeah. I thought they'd be a lot better. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, and again, we talk about adjustments right now. What adjustments? Coach Thibodeau still has adjustments to make here. Um, despite, I think R.J. Barrett offensively was okay last night. Obviously, chipped in well. well he was great in the points. first quarter. Then he basically no showed the rest of the game. He yeah, won, it's like, just some of his. He had 16 points in the first quarter, I think. Yeah, his decision making sometimes just makes you scratch your head. Um, so I think that yeah, he's going to have to provide that scoring support to a guy like obviously Jalen Brunson. You get Julius Randle back, which only helps you. Um, but we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens in in Game Three um, in Miami when they should have uh, Jimmy Butler back. And again, we talk about role players. They play. They tend to play a little bit better at home uh, to uh, role players. But we already said, like you mentioned, Gabe Vincent has been pretty good for this team. Uh, Duncan Robinson has been able to knock down some shots as well. Caleb Martin was good last night as well. So um, I think those play, play those players are only going to play better uh, when they get back to South Beach uh, playing on their home court. Uh, anything else for this game? Uh, I feel like we got to briefly talk about the ball that hit the rim that apparently yeah. didn't hit the rim. We got to bring yeah. that up. I'm not saying that's the reason why Miami lost the game. They would already they were already blowing a decent sized lead before that, but I. I know how you missed the call. It's because you're Scott Foster, but you can't miss that call. Like I, I don't, I don't know what more you're. What else are you looking at? There's I think two it's on the pl- shot clock. He yeah. chucks it at the rim. Like how are you supposed to miss that? You, it, and that's the whole thing about video replay. 
is that you let that play go, let it play out. And then you go and review it if you need to. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the, ex- the exact rules are if you can go in and review it or not. But I'm assuming you can because you can just review for a shot clock violation. Yeah, but I don't understand why. I don't know if that's something that Spolstra could have reviewed at that point or not. Um, but I don't think the bu- the bucket would have counted. I don't. I don't know what the rules are either. But yeah, I, I mean, I was watching from the TV. I think you and I and a lot of other people saw that that ball hit the rim just the, the way it kind of clanked off the rim and gave Vincent was in the you know in the right spot he laid it back up and in which would have turned that into a one point game. I know like you mentioned that the Heat had the lead. Josh Hart made some shots. Uh Brunson hit the offense the offense fell shots. apart down the stretch anyway, but I gotta yeah. bring it up. Like yeah, it was- but yeah, no, that goes from a three point game to a one point game in favor of the in the Knicks. And you know, maybe we do have a different outcome. Who knows? But yeah, I think that's that's a play that the refs let go and then you go to the video monitor and that's the whole point of replay that's why we have replay i don't understand i think it's a clause or a lot of the sports god it's it's basketball it's it's soccer it's football it's, it's baseball as well there's out of there's plays that you let go and then you you know go back and review and make the right call but it is what it is yeah i mean to be totally honest when i watched it live i thought it was an air ball but that was solely because i was trying to judge the trajectory of the shot yeah and he's fading away to the side i'm like all right that's a clear air ball and then I yeah. see Vincent get a layup, and then he starts complaining and hit the rim. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, like, did that actually hit the rim? Because it was mostly at first glance with the trajectory. You knew that shot had no chance of going in as soon as he yeah. shot it. You can tell it was definitely going to either be short or mm-hmm. it was going to be wide left. Mm-hmm. So I just thought based on the shot and the difficulty of it that it was going to be an air ball. But maybe that's why they thought it didn't hit the rim, because they knew the shot had no chance, and it was basically a shot clock prayer. But... Yeah. At the end of the day, it hit the rim. Like mm-hmm. you can't miss that in this situation. No, you can't. Um, all right, before we move on to the Lakers and the Warriors recap, let me tell everyone about Shady Rays and Shady May. Shady Rays is teaming up with SGPN for Shady May. Not only do you get an amazing fifty percent off, but you also have a chance to win five hundred dollars. Shady Rays has you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. Shady Rays have durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase. If you don't love them, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days there's no risk when you shop with shady rays their team always has your back so go to shadyrays.com use promo code sgpn for 50 percent off of two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses then take that receipt go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash shady for your chance to win 500 with the shady may contest All right, Scott, second game of the night. We had the L.A. Lakers in the Bay Area against the San San Francisco against the Golden State Warriors. They get the five-point victory, 117-112 to take a 1-0 lead against the defending champions here. Um, Great game this one was. um, The Lakers obviously get the cover as a four-and-a-half-point underdog. Uh, They uh, obviously win on the money line as well, and the total does squeak over the number of 227. 
Um, last night, Anthony Davis had a fantastic game for the Lakers. 30 points, 23 rebounds. Also had four more block shots. No one's surprised. Uh, LeBron, 9 of 24 from the floor. He's been atrocious from the three-point line. He was 1 of 8 again. Um, he did finish up with 22 points, 11 rebounds, and 4 assists. But I think the more bigger conversation is the supporting cast again stepping up for this Lakers team. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, 19 points on 9 of 19 shooting. Didn't have a great night from shooting the three ball. He was only 1 in 5. And then Dennis Schroeder was a man last night for the Lakers off the bench. In 31 minutes, he scored 19 points, had 3 assists, and then had the 2 free throws at the end of the game to ice it for the Golden State Warriors. For the Warriors, um, Steph Curry, and Clay Thompson last night combined to go 19 of 49 from the floor. They were 12 of 29 from the three-point um, line. Finished up with combined 52 points, 27 points for Curry, 25 for uh, Clay Thompson. Um, and come on, Looney, another monster night on the boards. 10 points, 23 rebounds, seven of which were offensive rebounds. Five assists as well for Kavon Looney, so he just continues to fill up the box score last night. But nonetheless... Or sorry, nonetheless, uh, here, Scott, Lakers do get the victory. I know you're going to want to touch on Jordan Poole here. On paper, at least in the, the box. There's, really, there's really a lot to unpack with this. Yeah. Team, so. so I'll say I'll say this much, and I'll, I'll turn the floor over to you. Just looking at the box where you would think that he had a good game. 7 of 15, 6 of 11 from three-point land. He finished up with 21 points. But as soon as he, this guy enters the game, he just, just starts chucking up the ball and um, – I know he didn't have any turnovers last night, but there was points in this game, especially down the stretch, where, again, he's just making you kind of scratch your head. And I, I'm sure the blood pressure of Steve Kerr was through the roof, uh, especially down the stretch there, Scott. Yeah, so first of all, I had the Lakers money line as my dog. So that worked out. I can't say the total outcome surprised me. It was mostly just fading Golden State in the scheduling spot, having a one day off after a game seven with a relatively yeah. older roster. Mm-hmm. Stamina really wasn't the issue. In this game, it just seemed like the Lakers were more physical and the Warriors did not hit enough shots. And you can argue about the free throw differential. The Lakers attempted 29 free throws and the Warriors only attempted six. Mm -hmm. However, I really didn't think the game was that badly officiated. Golden State just never drives to the rim. It just just simply put, uh, they only drive as a decoy to set up three-point shots, and that's why it was a fascinating matchup because it's a battle of two styles. You have the Lakers, who mostly go to the rim. They thrive in the paint, and they let AD go off. And then the Warriors do the opposite, where they basically only shoot threes. The Warriors, just for reference, attempted 53 threes yesterday, and the Lakers only attempted 25. So it's a battle of style. So as a result, I think this is probably going to go seven because I think that each style will have their moment, and I think that they're each going to alternate some games here. But I wasn't surprised the Lakers won game one. Now, to go through the main reasons why I lean to the Lakers in this series, I said that I have more faith in the Lakers supporting cast than the Warriors supporting cast. And Curry had 27 points. He was okay. Shout out to Vanderbilt, though. I thought did a great job of shadowing him the entire game. I was worried about fatigue. Uh, and Curry dropped 50, played 38 minutes in Game 7, and he had a pretty decent first quarter, then did nothing for basically the next quarter and a half, and then kind of woke up again, but it was a little bit too late. Now, Clay had a decent game. You'd think he was amazing because mm-hmm. he was incredible in the first quarter. He had yeah. 25 points, 
And then you look at the numbers. He went nine for 25. So he scored 25 points on 25 shots. Mm-hmm. Not great. Went six of 16 from three, which is fine, I guess. But you'd think Clay played a lot better than he actually did when you look at the final uh, box score because he was really bad in the second half. Mm-hmm. So Clay kind of uh, fizzled as the game went on. Looney was great rebounding wise, but to be honest, AD kind of owned him the entire game. And the run came with Looney on the bench. So I'm curious how, if Golden State's going to play Looney less and try to go with the small ball lineup. But LeBron wasn't great. He had 22 points, 11 rebounds. Uh, he played 40 minutes. I'm kind of all over the place with the breakdown, but there's a lot of bullet points I want to just at least discuss. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to be consistent, and I try to not be a hypocrite, I've roasted Westbrook on this show for years about him needing to stop shooting threes because he can't shoot threes. Can somebody tell LeBron to stop shooting threes? It's embarrassing. He can't shoot. He's the worst three-point shooting player in the entire playoffs, and he's jacking up eight threes. And in a potential game-winning possession where they're already winning but for the dagger shot, you really can't take Klay Thompson off the dribble. You really have to settle for a step-in three-pointer when you're one for seven from three. LeBron, please stop shooting threes. You're not good at it. It's fine. Like We, we can accept it. Just move on. You're a great player. You're one of the best players of all time. Please stop taking pull-up jump shots from three. You can't shoot. Is that a fair statement? Am I being too harsh? Is that fair? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to pull up the exact numbers for his three-point percentage in He's the like playoffs. He's like 6 for 35. Like, yeah. it, it's the worst in the entire playoffs of any I player. agree with that, yeah. Please, just stop shooting threes. Go to the rim, please. Uh, so he's actually shooting at 18.4% from three-point line in the playoffs, at least. That is so bad. Wait, well, let me just <laughs> – you said it was 18%? 18.4, yeah. The total okay, – So he's roughly six for 32 yeah. in the playoffs, yeah. give or take, which is next level bad. So yeah. I'm just saying, if your three-point numbers are that bad, you should probably not be taking eight per eight in a game. Just going to throw that out there. But mm-hmm. is it time for the pool discussion? Or I kind of just teased it with all the other stuff. But do you have anything else you wanted to add? Because the free-throw disparity was something a lot of people made a big deal out of. But watching the first half, Golden State never goes to the rim. Like I'm not surprised the differential was that big when all Golden State does is jack up a bunch of threes. Yeah, and also, I mean, take a look at the box score. I mean, the, the the team stats right now, or from last night, right? So, Golden State last night was plus forty five from the three point line. They made fifteen more three point shots from than the um, Lakers. Okay, that's I think kind of expected. Maybe that not that big of a number, but obviously they're the better shooting team. They're going to attempt talk- more every game. They might double them in attempts every game. Yeah. And then the free throw discrepancy, you touched on it. The Lakers were plus 20, but I think they also got to go further down the list. Points in the paint, 54 to 28 in favor of the Lakers. And when you score that many points in the paint, or if you're attacking the basket, you're also going to get fouled, and those foul calls are going to get called, and you're going to get those free throws. So, you know, you talked about it. I think Terrell talked about it as well. We we all talked about that. It's going to be a clash of two different styles here between which team is going to prevail at the end. Last night, it was the Lakers. Um, they did a great job um, of attacking the basking, scoring points out of the paint. I know they only hit six three-pointers. Uh, three 
they knocked down their free throws and, and that's how they won the game as well. I think you got to give I think we got to give credit to Darvin Ham. Last night, I think it was a three-point game, and they decided they brought they subbed in Vanderbilt for D'Lo, and they knew that Steph Curry was going to try to take that game time three-point shot. They actually went and doubled him and said, Hey, make somebody else make that shot. And it was kind of segueing into it, a 30-foot jumper from Jordan Poole, which absolutely more than likely did not have a chance, but go ahead. So first of all, with Ham, I agree, I like the substitution to get Vanderbilt in the game. I also yeah. can't believe Vanderbilt had a three-pointer in the fourth quarter. That's a separate story. He actually hit one from the corner. But I don't know how Darvin Ham didn't use a timeout while his team's allowing a 14-0 run to get the Warriors back into the game. Can somebody call a timeout? Just a separate point. <laughs> the Lakers have been so bad at blowing double-digit leads all season long. And same thing with the Celtics. You know, some... Yep. Some issues don't go away just because it's playoff time. And unless you address the issues at hand, they're going to linger. And the Lakers have really not been a great closing team, but they were able to get it done yesterday. However, yeah. we got to talk about the pool shot. So yeah. some people are arguing it's a good shot because pool was shooting well from three. At the time, pool was six for, six for 10 from three, and then he missed the last shot. If I told you that you were going to be a Lakers head coach and winning a game would come down to Jordan Poole hitting a 35-footer with 10 seconds on the clock, I think you'd gladly take that wager. I think you'd gladly take that and say, all right, our chances to win are pretty high. Yeah. Under no circumstance that I think Poole is going to hit that shot. And I feel like you can make an argument, maybe you won't get a better look. You also don't have to go for three. There's 10 seconds left in the game. Mm -hmm. You can go to the rim and like hit a layup. The Lakers are going to give you a layup because they don't want to give up an and one. You can yeah. hit a layup and foul. Mm -hmm. The Lakers don't have many great free throw shooters on the court. LeBron's not a great free throw shooter. He's okay. He's not great. But you're looking at the Lakers lineup. We've seen AD miss some clutch free throws from time to time. If you want to foul Schroeder or you want to foul like D'Lo or somebody, there's sure, no guarantee they're going to make some shooter. free throws. You can yeah. go to the rim. Like You don't have to shoot a three with 10 seconds left. You can extend the game. And we know the Lakers, we saw it in the play-in game against Minnesota. They're not the greatest inbound team in the league. Like they, We've seen them turn it over on inbounds before. You can really just you know extend the game. You don't have to chuck it. So that was one issue I had with Poole. The other issue just kind of sums up his entire career, and it's why, especially this season, it's why I'm very low on Poole. He's... Of, he's an extremely volatile and, for a lack of a better word, dumb basketball player. He has a borderline negative basketball IQ, and that's the problem I have with him. I just don't think that he's a smart basketball player, and I feel like the reason why I'm so annoyed by him is because of the franchise that he plays for. You think of the Spurs dynasty, which mm -hmm. kind of segued into the Warriors dynasty. <clears throat> I think we'd agree those are the two main dynasties in the last 20 years. Sure. Those teams always have the smartest role players in the league. Mm -hmm. They know the role. They're not going to do anything dumb. They know what they need to do in order to win games. And then you have Jordan Poole in there who thinks that he needs to score every point whenever he's on the court. And it seems like he's more concerned about getting his production than sacrificing in order for the team to win. Not well, to mention the fact he can't guard anybody. Yeah. But 
Anyway, you were going to interrupt. Were you gonna no, say? I'm sorry. I didn't want to. Uh, yeah, well, I think the point was for Jordan Poole last time. I'm not sure you saw who was sitting on the sideline or courtside yesterday. That's because he was being like that. Yeah, Fantastic Four. Yeah, and we Jessica had Jessica Alba. Alba. Yeah, yeah, so maybe, you know, that's one of the reasons possibly that he was, you know, being erratic, I guess we can say. But was she at that game or was she at the Knicks game? Yeah, she was at the uh, Golden State Warriors game, I think. Okay, I, I, think I, I, was, yeah. I, I think you're right, but I saw conflicting things, so I'm not totally okay, sure. Let me, let me try to confirm. Anyway, point is, Poole, I feel like I've I've roasted him for months, uh, but if you want me to use a very, very short, concise way of roasting him. Okay, just sorry. Go- sorry to interrupt again, but yeah, she was at the Knicks game. That's what I thought. She wasn't even <laughs> yeah, in the okay. venue. That was just like a fake <laughs> That was like a fake story going around. Yeah, Jessica Alba was not in the venue. So just Maybe there were some a- other baddies that he saw. Poole doesn't even have that excuse. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> Alba was not even there. But if I was going to briefly sum up my criticisms for Poole, I think that he is an extremely volatile scorer with a very low basketball IQ. And that was on display. You have to, I guess, use him now late in games because your team went on a massive run with Looney on the bench to keep it close. But Poole's going to kill you half the, like, half the time because yeah. he shot the ball well from three, and yet all of the flaws were still there. He had five fouls. He couldn't guard anybody. Everyone was blowing past him the entire game. And once again, that was when he was making shots. If he's missing shots and in pregame warmups, he's trying to block the Aaron Fox and he's doing a bunch of stupid stuff. Mm. I just don't think he's serious like ever. And I feel like that's a serious problem just based on how he's wired. I want a guy that's going to be more of a, of a, I'd say less of a liability and more of a guy who I know is fully engaged and he understands the stakes at play. But it just seems like Poole's joking around all the time, and it's really annoying when your team's in, I don't want to say a must-win game, but it's an important situation, and it feels like Poole's half-assing it. Like It just yeah. really annoys me. I feel like Poole, I've, I've called them Jordan Clarkson on crack before, which I still think is a very fair breakdown if you want to just <laughs> talk about his game. I think a lot of the flaws that I have with his game are kind of flaws that I have with like a Kelly Oubre where he's he's a talented scorer, but you know he's going to give you nothing defensively. Yeah, You know that he's not fully focused just on the game itself, and you know that he's not going to make winning basketball plays a lot of the time. But I feel like Poole's an empty calorie score because of all of the negatives he brings on the defensive end and the decision-making, that unless he gives you 20, he's going to be a liability most of the time. So not to mention the fact Golden State's paying him $128 million. But I do think, long story short, Poole, the reason why I'm annoyed by him is that the Warriors are one of the most winning dynasties in NBA history. And I think Poole's a losing basketball player. Mm -hmm. I think he's a player that you'd see on Charlotte dropping 20 points a game and the team would win 30 games every year and you wouldn't be surprised. But since he's on a defending championship team, that has serious expectations, every mistake Poole has is magnified because he's easily the dumbest player on the roster. Well, I think we got to go back to the when before the season started because I think all this blame does go on Draymond Green probably causing brain damage when he did punch him in the face. During to be the fair, Poole was really bad in the finals too, but nobody talks about it. He hit the half-court shot in, I think it was game one or game two. That was basically it. Poole was really not good in the finals at all. Yeah. Just going to throw that out there, too. Yeah, I'm not sure if you uh, – and then they, they did call the timeout, and then uh, Steve Kerr looked upset, and I'm, I'm not sure if you heard the audio, but th- this is what I heard from Steve Kerr 
um, in the timeout when Jordan Poole chunked up that shot. What kind of shot yeah. is that? Have you ever shot that shot? Do you work on that shot? When? <laughs> I mean, shout out to him. He he's unemployed now, but that's still one of the all time rants. That's a, shout out to Patrick Ewing. That's the first thing I thought of when when he shot that shot. Like they're gonna call that timeout, and Patrick Ewing just kind of popped into my head saying, "What kind but of shot?" But then Kerr in the post game presser saying, "You know, I don't mind that shot because he's six for ten. But I don't know if he's saying that because he doesn't want to throw his guy under the bus. No, I mean, he genuinely thinks you know this guy was on a heater. But I mean, damn man, like." Yeah, I, I I get the argument of it's an open look, but look, I, I'll let Poole take that shot 10 times out of 10. That's all I'm yeah. saying. But do you agree with my criticisms? I just think he's a dumb player. Like, I don't think it, he's a yeah, winning he's, basketball player. He's very erratic. Like, there's some just like, just calm down, man. Just like to slow it down a little bit. I understand the pace that the, the Warriors do play at. But there's just times where, and like you, you talked about, I don't want to, you know, regurgitate everything. It's just that he just needs to slow down a little bit. But even just, besides just that, even when, even when he's good at offense, yeah. he's such a defensively, liability like, defensively. Yeah. yeah, the amount of ticky tack fouls. I think he fouled like thirty feet away from the basket on ED, and that, and they were in the bonus that just gave away a couple of free throws. Yeah, those free throws matter. Especially late in games. Like, yeah, Poole had so time. many touch fouls, which were so unnecessary. And the Lakers are living at the line the entire game. Even when he's good offensively, he's so bad defensively that it's basically a wash. So you need Poole to be great offensively. And when he's not, he's a double liability because he's not going to stop shooting. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that... I don't want to say it starts and stops with uh, Jordan Poole, but I had, I had to bring that up though. That was the ultimate cast, pool game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I think that if if the if the Warriors are going to win the series or you know obviously advance to the Western Conference Finals, that they're going to have to get they're going to have to get smart basketball from from Jordan Poole. I'm not sure that's going to happen, but um, yeah. Look, it was a good game last night. I know there was there was you know LeBron shooting threes where he doesn't need to, where Jordan Poole. And his mistakes that he has on the defensive side of the basketball, um, and it's going to be a good series, man. I think that's going to it's going to be like you said, it's two contrasting styles. We'll see which team prevails at the end. Lakers take game one, and we'll see what adjustments the Warriors make in game two. Um, and then I think this, yeah, you're right. This series at minimum will go six, if not, I wouldn't be surprised if it does go all seven games um, in this series. But um, anything else before we uh, get into the game for tonight here? Not really. That's kind of my main takeaway. I said my piece about pool, but it was a very good game. Should be a very good yeah. series. I'm not surprised the Lakers won game one. I'm not saying they're going to kill this team. I said it was probably going to go six or seven anyway. Yeah. LeBron's got to be better. He's got to be mm -hmm. more efficient from the floor. But I said a supporting cast I had more faith in for the Lakers, and they stepped up. Schroeder yeah. had, what, 19 off the bench. Mm -hmm. Vanderbilt was great defensively. Uh, Reeves had a couple of big shots in the second half. Just saying, like the, the Lakers had a lot of guys who stepped up, and the Warriors had some. Wiggins was very good in the first half. I didn't really see much of him in the second half, but mm -hmm. you know, I just think that the Lakers supporting cast is better. Simply put, yeah, I think they're better. They also have they they just flow better if that makes sense, right? Like you kind of look, you know, Austin Reeves. Um, he's been. I think he was. Um, he was terrible in the first half, but he had a couple of big shots. Like yeah, I mean, again, past the LeBron. 
Yeah, I think that he was tailing uh, Steph Curry for a lot of that first half. So, you know, offensively, he wasn't going to be very good. So, you know, you had Dennis Schroeder, like you mentioned, step up last night. Rui Achimura came in. D'Angelo was great. Yeah, D'Angelo Russell was great as well. So they're going to need those guys. And again, we have that expectation, or at least, you know, a lot of people do that. You're expecting LeBron to just come out and score 30 to 35 to 40 points a night for his team to have success. Where right now with this Lakers team, that's really not that case because the supporting cast has been doing real well so far in the playoffs. So again, if they want to win the series against the Warriors, they're going to have to continue being consistent. And like I've mentioned this several times already throughout the weekend, last week, that's been a different guy every single night that stepped up and led this team in scoring uh, for the uh, Lakers. So yeah, uh, right. So far, so good uh, for the LA Lakers. All right, Scott, before we uh, dive into this game two tonight between the Sixers and the Celtics, let me tell everyone about Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania 4 is here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. That's right, $15 million in prizes, plus plenty of ways to win with NBA, NHL, and MLB with their player prop parlays. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN. For a 100% deposit bonus of up to $100, that's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. And it is Kentucky Derby Week and the Notorious OTB, brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, has all your triple crown bets. Plus, if you leave a review for the show, wherever you get your podcast between now and Belmont on Saturday, June 10th, you'll be entered into a drawing to win a canvas print of the Wolves' one-of-a-kind Fallen Bob painting. It's post time, so make sure to check out the Notorious OTB for all of your horse racing bets. All right, Scott, game two tonight. We only have one game on the schedule here tonight, game two between the Celtics and the Sixers. Sixers took care of business in game one without Joel Embiid behind a 45-point effort from James Harden. Joel Embiid is back tonight for the Philadelphia 76ers. He is the 2022-2023 MVP. Um, Currently, the line is sitting at 7.5 in favor of the Boston Celtics in game two. Total is sitting at It was 10, and then it went down to 7.5 when Embiid was basically ruled active. Yeah. Um, so currently with Embiid and it's at seven and a half and now the total is at two seventeen and a half. Um, Scott, let's start with the side here. Minus seven and a half. What are you thinking about the side for this game? I feel like everyone's going to take the Sixers because they won game one. Now Embiid's coming back. I think that the Celtics killed them tonight. If I'm being totally honest with you, um, mm-hmm. I just think that it's a very good spot to look at what the Sixers did in game one. And assume I'm hoping Missoula makes adjustments. He might not because I don't think he's a good coach, but still, we'll see. Going into the series, I was going to fade the Sixers whenever Embiid came back. And it was mostly because of A, not knowing how healthy Embiid actually is, B, Philly having to, I'd say, readjust their offense entirely and everything mm-hmm. they want to do with rotations and even just sets. I feel like it's going to be an adjustment period there because the Sixers have played a couple of games without him and Harden went for 45. Now he's going to take a back seat again. Embiid might be forcing stuff back. He might be rusty. He hasn't played in a couple weeks. So I'm going to fade Philly anyway. Boston wants to run. I'm not sure Embiid can move. We'll see how Embiid looks. Just because he's playing doesn't mean he's going to look anywhere near 100%. I'm going to lean Boston. It's a game that a Boston needs to have, and 
I do think at the end of the day, people are going to take Philly because they won game one. Harden, they think, might go nuclear again. I personally think the Celtics kill him tonight. You can make an argument that it's a classic game where a player wins an MVP award or wins an award, and the team immediately gets buried. We've seen it, t- we've seen it before. But yeah. I think the Celtics kill him tonight. I think they're the better team. I just think that they got a little bit complacent. They knew that they were the better team without Embiid in the lineup, and they kind of no-showed the game thinking they had it in the bag. But for me, I think Boston kills them tonight. I think people are going to be all over Philly. And I think they're going to be wrong, in my opinion. Give me Boston. I think they win this game by 10 plus. Yeah, I think that the Celtics should speed up the pace here tonight. um, Especially with Embiid who's playing at ball 100%. Like, and Harden. They're not going to try to get back on defense. Yeah. So I think that we'll see what the Boston Celtics did during the regular season was, you know, speed up the pace, trying to get easy baskets, whether that's open three-point shots or getting to the basket. And really kind of test the stamina and and how effective Embiid is going to be coming back, like you mentioned, after missing, you know, or not being not playing a basketball game for what, 10 days now, 14 days now, maybe a little less than that. But um well, even in that net series when he was playing, he was diving on the floor. But the last game he played, he had what, like 14 points? He really didn't do anything in the last game he played. Yeah. So I think that if you're Coach Mazula, that you got to speed up, yeah. You got to you got to speed the game up here uh, for the Boston Celtics. And look, Boston played they played an okay game in Game One, but you had <clears throat> excuse me, um, vintage James Harden who went off for forty five points. I mean, he looked like the guy that he was was he was when he was with the Houston Rockets. What I'm trying to say, but not. I mean, you're not going to get that forty five point effort again from James Harden, and you're not going to need it. But I think that for the um, Sixers, you had you got twenty six from Maxi in that game. Um, you had eighteen points from Tobias Harris, seventeen for DeAnthony Milton off the bench. Um, so I think that yeah, I'm with you. I like the Celtics here tonight. With a, uh, if you want to go trifecta with that first quarter, first half, full game. I think they'll come out and play well. You saw in the first quarter in game one, they were up 38 to 31. And after that, the wheels kind of fell off for them where they lost the second quarter, third quarter, and the fourth quarter. So, and Boston has been traditionally a really good team in the first quarter and first half. They'll put up the points. They had 66 points in the first half. This is something I was talking about last week when I took them as my lock for a couple of the games, but just taking their first half team total to go over. I'm going to go back to that train here tonight as well. Um, but as far as a side, I like him in the first quarter, like him in the first half. I like it full game as well. So it might be on all three spots here tonight for the Boston Celtics total right now. Scott is sitting at two seventeen and a half. The first game ended up with 234 points. And that had a lot to do with the first half where it was 63 to 66 um, in game one. But what are you thinking about the total here currently at 217 and a half? I find it fascinating the first game landed in the 230s and beads coming back in the total 17 points lower than it was in game one. Um, I'm going to lean under. Uh, the, the last three meetings in the regular season, I know it's different playoffs in regular season, but Embiid played in pretty much all those games. Uh, they went on, uh, well, two of the three went under. One of them landed 217. So yeah. you've seen a couple of really ugly games uh, when Embiid's played against Boston, mostly because Philly has to slow the pace down. I think I'm going to lean under. I think I'd rather take Philly. Do I want Philly team total under or do I want Boston team total over? I think I I'm really- just going to go with Boston team total over. Yeah, I agree with you. 
but it's mostly just because I think Philly's going to have a hard time uh, switching with regard to Embiid, potentially guarding people on the perimeter at less than 100%. Mm-hmm. I saw Embiid briefly in practice. You can never tell because practice nowadays is just a bunch of shooting drills, so mm-hmm. they don't they don't exactly do much movement, but I'm assuming Embiid's going to be at around 70%, maybe, give or take. So I don't trust him guarding people on pick-and-roll switches. Tatum had a great game one. wasn't great in the fourth quarter, but still had a great game one. Yep. Jalen Brown was really good, and they just stopped giving him the ball. But I don't think mm-hmm. they can guard him either. I'm on the Celtics team total over, and I'll lean to the full game over. It's mostly Boston. I think Boston could score 115-120 in this game. Yeah. But for me, I do think that the Celtics offensively can still get whatever they want. The mm-hmm. question is defensively, can they dial in? And I think with Embiid playing a decent amount of minutes, you can use Robert Williams for a lot of minutes and not get killed. So I think that that's actually going to help out the defense with rim protection. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go the Boston team total over. But once again, I feel like the public will blindly be on Philly with Embiid coming back. I really think Boston kills him tonight, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, this feels like um, a Boston smash spot. I do like the first half team total over for the Boston Celtics, like I mentioned. And also right now their team total sitting at 112 and a half. Um, so, I mean, look, they scored 100, what, 115 in game one, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 115 in game one. Um, I think they, they, scored... they also shot the lights out. So you're assuming some regression there. So it might balance out. We'll see. Yeah, they were 10 of 26 from three-point land. But overall, they shot 58.7% from the floor. They lost the they... home game shooting 58% from the floor. Yeah. And you, know, 90... you know how hard that is to do? I mean, when you have, you know, post Vegas strip club, James Harden coming at you, it might be a little. Difficult. I'm just saying 58% <laughs> at home. You can't lose that. Yeah, no, game. I get it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, they, they were seven of 18 from the floor. I kind of want to see what the points in the paint uh, discrepancy was. 66. Oh, JR, JR, I think there's going to be an MB, MV, uh, of an Embiid MVP game. I think Embiid's going to be bad. <laughs> like, I don't think he's going to be good yeah. tonight. Maybe back at home where he gets the award and the the, the whole trophy presentation or whatever. And I'm sorry, um, you were saying points in the paint, sir. Yes, no, no. I was just going to mention it was sixty-six to forty-two uh, in favor of the Boston Celtics. Maybe that has something to do with Embiid not being there, but um, I still think that uh, Boston should have success on offense. I think that'll continue here tonight uh, for the Boston Celtics. Player props, Scott. What are we looking at? Well, I got to quickly look at what Embiid's number is going to be. I like Embiid under. Just so it's 24 play. and a half. I'm going to lean under. Okay. I'm not sure he can move. Like everyone's acting like he's basically playing so he has to be at 100%. I'm not going to say it's a Willis Reed game where he, where he shows up for four, like two minutes, hits two shots, and leaves, but I'm going to lean to Embiid under because I just feel like he's still limited physically. They might have, I don't want to say rushed him back, but I got to see him play first before I assume he's going to put up massive numbers. And with Robert Williams and with the Celtics probably attacking him constantly in pick Mm -hmm. and roll, besides the injury, stamina-wise, is he going to be fully ready to run up and down the court for a full 40 minutes? Is he going to play a full 40 minutes? Is he going to get a limited amount of playing time? I don't know. I feel there's a lot of questions with Embiid here, so I'm going to lean to the under on Embiid. I think I have to go back to either Tatum or Brown, though. I'm hoping they give Brown more shots. He went eight for 10. How does he only attempt 10 shots in game one? Yeah. Him and Tatum should get whatever they want. So I'm going to lean to the over on them. 
Yeah, I, I do like Jalen Brown to bounce back here tonight. Like you mentioned, he only had 10 shots. He did finish up with, I think, so 24 points um, yeah. in the game. So He went crazy. They just stopped giving him shots. Yeah, and Tatum had 39, but he did get up 25 shots himself. I mean, he was efficient from the floor. 14 of 25 in game one. Did also finish up with 11 rebounds in that game as well. But I think tonight it will be the Jalen Brown and the Jason Tatum show. Both those guys played 40-plus minutes in game one. Jalen Brown is going to get more than 10 shots here tonight. You, you can bank on that for sure. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, another guy if you want to look at uh, off the bench, he finished up game one with 20 points. Um, I think he's right now his points prop is at uh, 13, sorry, 14 and a half at minus 105. Maybe you're able to find a 13 and a half out there with a little bit of juice on it. Um, but I want to say that he's gone over this projection in five straight games of at least 13 and a half. So, let me see here. Yeah, so he's at 17, 14, 14, 17, and 20 um, over the last five uh, playoff games. He's averaging about 13.2 shot attempts in that span. He's also averaging about 28 minutes as well. So um, do like Malcolm Brogdon here tonight as well. Any other player props? Uh, well, Tatum rebounds I'm tempted by. It's a nine and a half. The overs plus 110. Mm. Robert Williams rebounds. That's seven and a half. Yeah. I like the over on that one especially with Embiid playing. No offense to Horford, and I know that you might want to make an argument that Horford needs to play a lot because they want to stretch Embiid out defensively. Horford has really not been good offensively all playoffs, and people keep acting like he's this insane three-point shooter. For a center, he's okay, but he really hasn't scored many points. I think they need Williams in there just for his physicality and his rim protection. So I like Williams' rebounds, and we know Embiid, he might shoot occasionally from the outside, but I think that should definitely drag Williams into the paint most of the time defensively. I like Robert Williams rebound to seven and a half. That number feels a bit low. I think he might be a sneaky double-double candidate. What I'm really annoyed about is that every sports book released props for this game last night, except for one prop. We have not gotten P.J. Tucker points. I'm extremely annoyed (laughs) because I want to take the under, and sports books are terrified because he played 37 minutes in game one and attempted zero shots. So yeah. they have not released PJ Tucker points, and I'm annoyed at it. And it's it's just not, it's not right. That's all I'm gonna yeah. say. It's not right. I want my under on PJ Tucker points, and we can't get it. Yeah, they don't even have like uh, they don't even have rebounds or assists for. I him saw either. rebounds for him on DraftKings. Yeah, that's they, how they I have, know they're scheming it because they don't have points. Yeah, so they don't have his points. Uh, that was something I was looking at last night as well. I was looking for that, but they didn't have it. Um. Agree about the Tatum rebounds. I think that he should get into double figures here tonight. He did in game one, like we mentioned. Um, but other than that... Darrell yeah, saying Tucker's are... a three and a half on Bovada. For his points? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, anything else for this game, Scott, before we get into our lock and dog? And if, any thoughts on Maxi? Hmm. Um... Well, is Embiid going to be a decoy? Like, I'll ask you, what do you think your role, what do you think Embiid's actual role is for this game? Let's start. Let's start there and go from there. I think they'll try to get him involved early, um, just to kind of get his feet wet and, and kind of you know see where he's at, see how he's moving. Um, but I think obviously as the game wears on, where you know stamina becomes a question, and I think that is maybe that's where the regression may come in for for Embiid. So I think if you want to back Embiid, maybe first assists. quarter points. I was going to say you take points early on. Do you consider assists? Boston historically has let Embiid cook 
and they'll try to stop everybody else. We saw it in that game where Embiid basically won the MVP. He dropped 50-plus points in a primetime game. But the game was still close. The game was still ugly. And Boston said, Embiid, you do you. If we stop everyone else, we got a shot to win the game. And they had a shot to win the game. So that's what scares me off on Embiid assists. It's because Boston's not going to double. They're just going to let Embiid do his thing, especially with Embiid being injured. They're going to let Embiid get as many shots as he wants. So I feel like it's an interesting discussion about how Boston's going to defend them. But based on what they've done in the regular season and even in years past, they rarely double Embiid. They usually leave it in one-on-one coverage and they'll go from there. And a three and a half. Excuse me, a three and a half at plus 120. I think I got to take the over on oh, that. Oh, no, it's, it's a good price. I'm just saying that yeah. even with the argument, well, they might double. They're not going to double. Historically, they have never doubled. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, April 4th, like you mentioned, that 52-point game, he was 20 of 25 from the floor, 12 of 13 from the free throw line. Did have 13 rebounds to go along with six assists in that game. He saw it six. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, if you got to go back and look at, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So over the last eight head to head meetings against Boston, he's had five or more in seven out of those eight games. Okay. Yeah. So the stats back it up a little bit as well. If they're, even if they're, I think, not uh, double teaming him or if they are double teaming him. So I might add that to my card here tonight. Uh, all right, Scott, let's close it out strong here for this episode. Let's get into our lock and dog here for tonight. Uh, you want to lead us off here? Yeah, sure. Uh, so for my lock, I want to take Boston full game, but I'm terrified by how bad they are late in games, which is really just annoying. Uh, what's Boston first half again? First half was, was like four and a half. So three wasn't first quarter, so I think it might be around four and a half or five. Uh, give me a second here. Um, first half is minus five right now on DraftKings. I'll take the first half. I want to take the full game. I think Boston wins by double digits, but I, I'm so annoyed by watching them play late in games that mm-hmm. I just think I'm going to take the first half. They shot well. They shot the ball well. I've mentioned before that teams down – Zero one usually at home usually step up in game two. Knicks didn't mm-hmm. cover; they won the game outright. So I think the ball. I think Boston's going to win the game, and we know that if you want to go based on the long-standing trend, hasn't been as profitable this year as years past. But if you win the game, they tend to cover. Yeah. So I think Boston's got a decent shot to cover, but they need to come out fast. Embiid might need a quarter or two to get fully acclimated back into the offense again. I'm going to go with Boston first half minus five. It would not surprise me if they jump them early. They're up seven after a quarter, and maybe they're up double digits at the half. Give me Boston first half minus five as my lock. And for my dog, give me Tatum uh, over nine and a half rebounds at plus 110. He went over in game one, but to read off the regular season games against the Sixers, the rebounding totals from most recent game to least recent, 6, 13, 8, 12, 12, 11, 9, 16. So he's had his fair share of pretty good rebounding games, and I do think that you're going to see Tatum rebound well once again. Give me Tatum over 9.5 rebounds of plus 110 as my dog. All right. Um, all right. For my lock, I am going to go to the f- first half. Mm, first half team total. Um over 58 is what I see for the Boston Celtics. 
Um, I think they've been averaging close to 63 or 62 or 63 points uh, in that first half. And I think that they come out guns blazing here. I think that's going to be obviously um, on the offensive end as well. Um, With Embiid back, I think you and I both agree, Scott, that they should be or should uh, push the pace a little bit more and try to get him up and down the floor. And if he's not able to, you know, move as efficiently as he's been or effectively as he's been able to in the regular season previous to the injury, um, that's something that the Boston Celtics should be able to take advantage of. It should take advantage of. And again, this team that offensively they can, you know, knock down the three point shots. They can get to the basket at will. So, and like we both expect Tatum and Brown to get a majority of the shots here tonight. And then when you have Malcolm Brogdon as well, coming off the bench for this team and have the success that he's had, not only during the regular season, but also in the playoffs, um, they still have that firepower coming off of the bench for them. So I'll take Boston Celtics first half team total over 58. I don't, if you can't, if you don't have a first half team total, I, would, I look at full game as well. One twelve and a half. I like that as well. Uh, for my dog, um, I was either going to go Tatum double, double, or I like the assist. assist maybe. Yeah, I think Embiid assist is probably the favorite one I do like. It's only four assists, and like we mentioned, now it's down to plus one hundred five. As we're talking about, it was at plus one twenty, uh, but I'll still take it at plus one hundred five. It's a little baby dog here, um, but I think that you know, like we mentioned, he's done it in seven out of the eight, last eight games against the uh, Boston Celtics. Let me see if there's a better number on his alt assist. Maybe like five. Give me a second here. Um, I know a decent amount of books give alternative ones, but it's on an interval, so I'm not sure if you'll be able to get the exact five. Uh, let's see. I know FanDuel usually has alt ones for each individual number. Yeah, he's not even listed on DraftKings. Let me see on quickly. But right now, DraftKings has that plus 105. Let me see if it's a better odds on. I'm pulling it up now. Okay. Let's see. Uh, so Embiid assists. I see three and a half at plus one twenty four on on Fanduel, and okay. I don't see an alt one. Yeah, I mean that's better odds for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So plus one twenty four again. Shop around for the best number, guys. Again, that's a nineteen cents difference right there from a plus one hundred five on DraftKings to plus um. 124 on uh fan so over three and a half assists for joel Embiid, plus 124 here tonight in game two as my dog all right scott that's going to do it for this edition of the nba gambling podcast anything else you want to mention before we get out of here bud not really only one game so hopefully it turns out to be a good one i'll probably be watching hockey uh just because the hockey playoffs have been crazy but mm-hmm. for the most part yeah uh just looking forward to the game Hopefully the series between the Lakers and the Warriors stays the same for the next uh, potentially six games because that was a hell of a watch last night. Yeah. It's playoff time. It's been fun, and hopefully it stays that way. Yeah, uh, game two tonight, and obviously um, more games come throughout the week here. Uh, we'll have, I think, Suns and the Nuggets play tomorrow, and I think there's another game on the schedule as well tomorrow. Uh, but we'll be back with myself and Delonte tomorrow for the Thursday pod. Uh, me and Chris are going to get on, talk about some player performances from 
last night and we'll talk about some player props for the game here tonight as well so if you're watching live and want to hang around should be live in another five ten minutes here on the uh you on the nba pod stream here for the prop cast so definitely look out for that uh make sure to follow scott on twitter at rice shell radio follow me on twitter at sports nerd 824 more importantly follow us on twitter at sgpnnba and make sure to subscribe to the youtube channel for the nba gambling podcast if you haven't already Smash that like button for us before you guys get out of here. And like I mentioned, we'll be back tomorrow as usual uh, with myself and Delonte to handicap the Thursday games in the NBA playoffs. All right, guys, good luck with your bets here tonight. Let's break these books off and let it ride. Ba-da-ba-da-da.